The Jacksonville Jaguars got off to a slow start but had a very fast finish on Sunday. I'm Tony Wiggins with your Jacksonville Jaguars report here on Locked on Jaguars. After a very clunky, off, slow start, the Jaguars managed to score a lot of points in the fourth quarter and beat the Cincinnati Bengals 27-17. The defense finally got the turnovers that they had been looking for. Yannick Ngakwe had an INT return for a touchdown. And Leonard Fournette had 29 carries for 131 yards on the day, and he leads the AFC in rushing. The Jaguars now will turn their attention to the New York J-E-T-S Jets, who will come to TIAA Bank Field on Sunday to see if the Jags can now go two in a row in terms of uh, consecutive victories since Jalen Ramsey got traded. I think they can. They'll be the favorite to do so on Sunday. In terms of this uh, past week, my motto was on the Cincinnati. Uh, and at first, I was really concerned when I watched the game yesterday. Uh, outside of that very first drive where the Jaguars went right down the field uh, to an inferior team, on an inferior team, a team that really was lacking uh their normal team they they didn't have a bunch of guys on either line of scrimmage except you know hall of famer uh geno atkins on defense but they were missing guys in the secondary and even missing obviously the top wide receiver this team didn't have any weapons this team wasn't uh it shouldn't have been on the same field with jacksonville but thus is the nfl the jaguars take the ball yesterday against the Bengals, go right down the field get to the I thought they scored a touchdown, but DJ Chark uh, was marked short, and the replay showed that he was short. And then uh, they tried to go uh, Leonard Fournette over the top on fourth down, and they didn't make it. So the Bengals stopped him. And it was a game of field goals for Jacksonville. Um, you know, seven to six uh, at halftime, or seven to three at halftime, and seven to six going into the fourth quarter. Once the Jaguars were able to score a touchdown and make it 15 to 10, and then what they did was they got to the point where they went for a two-point conversion. That 17 to 10 lead in the fourth quarter, I knew that that was the point where the game was going to get insurmountable because now the Bengals can't they can't take their time and get a field goal. They got to take chances. And I've said time and time again, the way that Jacksonville is going to be successful is when teams have to take chances on them and they'll throw into the teeth, teeth of the defense. And there was. Interceptions by Miles Jack uh, stopped and thwarted a Bengals uh, scoring, a potential scoring drive. Interception by Yannick Ngakwe returned for a touchdown and then an interception by Ronnie Harrison that sealed the deal for Jacksonville. Gardner Minshew wasn't... Uh, he wasn't on fire yesterday. He did have some stretches. He ended up completing less less than uh, 50% of his passes. He was 15 for 32 for 255. Did, however, make a couple of plays with his legs to get himself very, very close to 300 yards of total offense. But the man yesterday on offense was there was three people, actually. We'll start with uh, Chris Conley because we haven't mentioned him very much all year. Chris Conley was a handful, and he is a run-after-the-catch handful because he's so big and physical. D.D. Westbrook was flying on the screen and snatching balls out of the air like a whirling dervish and then turning into a punt returner uh, once he caught the ball. D.J. Chark did some D.J. Chark things, made big catches, and then had a nice run on, a, uh, on an inside handoff. 
that I was really impressed with because it showed the creativity of John Filippo. But the third guy is Leonard Fournette, man. And I'm telling you, Leonard Fournette has been the cold truth for the Jaguars this year. Um, yesterday, again, uh, 29 carries for a buck 39 had had a couple more catches out of the backfield but just has been a real stabilizing force for this football team and he's consistently able to find gaps and holes um in the defense and he seems like just like these power backs he gets better as the game goes on so finally the identity of the jaguars offensively has run through number 27 and I think that's what people around here, there are people around here that have been criticizing Leonard Fournette for years that are now praising him, not only on the field, but off the field in terms of what his leadership has meant for this team. The Jags have an identity. I don't think it's complete yet. I still believe that the Jaguars uh, will have a better identity once Nick Foles comes back. And I know that's the question that everybody's asking, you know, uh, about the quarterback position. And it's a good question. And I think we'll have the answer very soon. All right, so coming up, we got a lot to do on this episode of Locked on Jaguars. I want to talk about Jalen Ramsey and for the last time with Ramsey leaving and playing his first game with the Rams. I'm going to give you set set the atmosphere for what I saw yesterday on social media. I really, really stayed off uh, of a lot and just wanted to observe and I wanted to sort of let you guys know how I feel uh what i feel what i've seen and uh, i'm gonna do that in just a second but i have to first tell you about our friends over at peloton they're offering a limited time offer where you can get 100 dollars off accessories when you purchase the peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home go to onepeloton.com and use the promo code locked to get started okay for the final time i'm gonna sit here and talk about Jalen ramsey and what his absence and his departure means to Jacksonville and his fan base. Well, what's up, my friends? I have to tell you about my friends over at Blue Chew. That's right. Blue Chew. I'm going to spell it for you. It's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W. That's right. BlueChew.com. What is it? Well, obviously, it's blue, and it's about helping you with your sex life, even if you're not having functional issues, but you just want that extra strength that you need to feel young again, Blue Chew is the place for you to go. It's a chewable version uh, that has the same uh, ingredients as uh, Viagra and Cialis. And I'm going to tell you something. I've tried it. It makes you strong, man, real strong. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. If you visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free, when you use our special promo code, now listen, it's MLB, like Major League Baseball. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code MLB, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, welcome uh, to the last time I'll mention Jalen Ramsey and and what I saw yesterday and, and, and while the Jaguars game was on, I had this motto that I was going to go on to Cincinnati, on to Cincinnati. And um, I purposely stayed off of social media yesterday because I really, really wanted to see uh, the responses to Jalen's uh, interview. He had to sit down with Ryan Clark on ESPN and he talked about his side of the situation you can see that all over social media i'm not going to play that stuff again on this podcast one because i believe 
in fairness. And I think someone used to tell me a long time ago that a pancake is flat on both sides. And that means that, you know, you can see one side, but when you flip it over, you can see something else. Uh, the Jaguars haven't given their side of, of, of the story. Jalen said at some point he felt disrespected by the organization. It sounds like it was on multiple occasions. However, the tipping point seemed to be, as we all know, after the Houston game when Jalen had a blow up with Doug Marone on the sideline. After the shower, Jalen says he was pulled into a small room with four people. He mentioned that two of them were people he respected, two of them he didn't. Uh, so without mentioning those names, it leads to a lot of speculation. And I think what that was is just a shot. And I think that that's like saying, okay, all four of y'all know who was in the room. Two of y'all I care about, the other two I don't. And it started to lead to speculation. One of the people he doesn't care about was Tom Coughlin. I can tell you that right now. Um, old school, you know, former coach who runs the operations uh, of the football team. I assumed uh, Dave Caldwell was was a person that was in that room. And I'm just going to say for the conversation, since we're speculating, that Caldwell was one of the guys that he did respect. If Tony Khan was in that room, I believe Tony Khan was a guy that he did respect. He said the two people were sitting down and two people were standing over him. I don't know who the fourth person was and I wouldn't. There are probably three candidates that I that I could probably guess who they were. However, it probably doesn't matter very much because I think the person that drew his ire was Tom Coughlin. He says in his words that things got to the point where as a man, it shouldn't have gone in terms of the disrespect. And he just said, you're not going to talk to me that way. He says he didn't say a word to him, but he told himself, okay, that's not how it's going to go. He left, called Dave Mulligata, his agent, and said, I don't want to play here anymore. Okay. Uh, of course, over the next few weeks, there was a heart-to-heart sit-down with Shah Khan, where Shah Khan said he would make him the highest-paid corner in the league. Uh, he didn't want to trade him. Uh, apparently, there was a face-to-face meeting where Shah, according to uh, Adam Schefter, where Shah was kind of giving the impression that Jalen was going to play. And then when Jalen didn't play with the quote-unquote back injury that he was cleared, and I'll remind you that every NFL player probably has an injury but when they're cleared, they're cleared, and that's usually uh, the, the, the line that determines whether or not they're going to play or not. Um, the bottom line is, is I think after what happened, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't tuned in. He wasn't going to play. He says it had nothing to do with his teammates. He says Doug Marone wasn't involved in the meeting. According to Doug Marone, him and Jalen were good. Uh, this was an organizational thing. Here's my conspiracy theory. I think when you have a person like Jalen Ramsey, whether you like him or not, right, wrong, or indifferent, whether you view that management is always entitled to do or say whatever they want to say to a player, I don't agree with that. Um, They can say whatever they want to say, and he can respond however he wants to respond. And we saw how he was going to respond. I think in leadership, though, what you do is you always try to do the things that extract the good out of people while you try to manage the things that you don't like, especially in a team sport. I believe that they thought that they had gone beyond that point with Jalen. And I believe that they knew that once they cornered him and pulled him into that room and they went off on him the way that they went off on him, that he would ask to get out. 
I absolutely believe that 100%. Because this whole time I've been saying, I don't care whose side you on because none of us were privy to everything that went on. And, and trust me, in my other profession, I come across all different walks of people. I've been a barber for 26 years. When I listen to social media or look at social media or I listen to sports talk, and then I go and stand around people every day from all walks of life, from different backgrounds. Some guys that played, some guys played on the NFL level. A lot of guys played in college. Some guys are coaches. It is usually, there's usually a line that's drawn. It's the person who used to be in a position of authority, the person who is a supervisor, the person who's a coach. Those people usually think that Jalen is, is wrong. It's the, it's the guys who played recently. Um, there's another group of people on that other side, too. The other group of people on that other side are guys who played 20, 25 years ago and things were different. But there's a group of people now who've played recently, who may have been in a situation where they wanted talent and they needed talent. And the reason why they may have not succeeded is because they didn't have talent. That are probably some of them are coaching high school ball now, some are college, some used to be scouts that I've talked to, some are rank and file military members. They all say, uh uh, you can't do that. They fall on the labor side of things. So Tom Coughlin isn't a coach. Coaches have to watch what they do these days. If you don't believe me, look at college football and Jeremy Pruitt. He grabbed a guy by the face mask. There were hundreds of guys on social media that used to play the game. Or there were hundreds of people that I respect on social media with blue check marks that said, you can't do it. You can't do it. Things are not the same as they were 20 years ago. These cats aren't let you, letting you talk to them like that anymore. Whether you think they're soft or not, that's not what they're doing. They are, they are more emboldened and empowered these days than, than a little bit. I think they knew it. I think Coughlin knew it. I think he knew it would facilitate a move that would allow them to push Jalen Ramsey up out of this organization and get draft picks and move on. That's just the bottom line with me. If Tom Coughlin doesn't have a long-term future here, then why did this happen this way? Why would you choose that over talent? Well, I think Shad Khan didn't. I don't think Shad chose that over talent. I think what Shad Khan wanted was to keep the talent, but I think he did something that was brilliant. And what that is is you cannot set a precedence for a player getting a, an executive fire. If you're going to fire Tom Coughlin or remove Tom Coughlin, then you do that individually or, or independent of an actual player who you may feel is like is trying to push you because once you lose control of your organization, you've lost control of your organization. So I, at some point, I, I told everybody who would listen to me, I thought this was inevitable. If you know Jalen, and I knew him a little bit, speaking, Maybe a message or two here or there, but nothing too extra deep. I know people that, that know him closer than, than I know him. We all kind of looked at each other and, and knew the way he was yoked. He wasn't going to play anymore. 
So people can call them. You can call them a quitter. You can do all of that stuff. I, I, ain't, I ain't nobody trying to get into all of that with everybody. But I can tell you this. It's about 50-50. Half the people agree and half don't. So my point is, is, and this is all I'll say about it moving forward. It ain't, it ain't about calling anybody out. It ain't about nobody's opinion being any more important than anybody else's. But I do think this is what happens. There's sort of a mob mentality where everyone who has uh, a platform or a voice kind of sounds the same way. And sometimes it's like that because there's a lot of truth to it. Other times it gets a little bit more personal, whereas it's, I think sometimes everyone kind of feels like they need to sound the same way in order for everyone else to accept it because it's hard for you to stand out. It's easy for me to go to the barbershop and, 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 and say, I, I think the way this all went down was crazy. Sometimes it's hard to be on a platform where there's a small group of people with the platform and you're the only one that, but I don't care. So I'll do it too since everybody else is saying it. Tom Coughlin is just as culpable as Jalen Ramsey was in this. Michael Strahan came out and said his entire team, and Michael Strahan is a Hall of Famer, thank you, that they all hated Coughlin, and that Coughlin basically dismissed him every single time he came to try to tell him. You say what you want to say, Doug Marone is the coach of this team. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, I heard an NFL player that I respect say if when he played that if, if Michael Hugh who was the senior vice president, had come up to him and yelling at him, he would have had a problem. See, too many fans and media people remember Tom Coughlin as the coach. That's not who he is. He's the senior vice president. He's not the coach. And for all the credit that we give guys who have won, well, I'll give you an example of another guy who's won, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy probably wouldn't have approved of the way Jalen Ramsey acted. But I know Tony Dungy probably wouldn't have used profanity either when he talked to him. He's been critical of other coaches who coach that way and who yelled at people that way. Ask anybody in that building. There have been two people over the last three or four years that when you encountered them, you didn't know how they were going to respond to your act. So you had to make a business decision whether you're going to speak or not. Unless you played for him, Tom Coughlin was one of them. And the other one was Jalen Ramsey. It's, there's enough blame to go around. And I tell you what, Jaguar fans, I give you credit. I saw people with split screens yesterday. I saw people with TV side by side. They wanted to see Julio burn Jalen Ramsey yesterday. And I told you, every corner gets burned. Good coverage. Julio caught a 40-yarder. Whoopee. What happened the rest of the game? You're going to hurt yourself, man, trying to look and watch him fail. Because if you're looking for him to fail as a player, no matter how you feel about him as a person, that's going, to be a, that's going to be a headache for you a lot because he's the same guy that didn't do a whole bunch of failing when he, when he was here. And I love all of the – I love the crowd that says you don't need a cover corner to win. Okay, well, ask your team why, uh, why they picked him with the number five overall pick. And you didn't say that when he was out there being your cover corner. So it's just a bunch of people hurt and a bunch of people emotional. I get it. There was also a bunch of people that wear teal and black that were watching that game yesterday hoping that he failed. But he didn't, and he won't very much. But I think the Jags are in a good place. Because yesterday I saw a team that through all of this stuff finally could get back to football, and they played for each other. And I'm going to tell you how that can help them moving forward in just a second. Okay, welcome to 
the last and final segment of Locked on Jaguars, where I explain to you how the Jacksonville Jaguars can continue to move forward post Jalen Ramsey. Hopefully we're done with that. Because think, thinking about him at this point, they're going to get the Jaguars one first down, one interception, one touchdown. If you want to vent and feel better about it, fine. I just think with Leonard, with Minshew, with uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who, who, who two of those people, well, one, one Minshew wasn't even a, an afterthought three or four months ago. And this shows you how things can change. Leonard was was wanting to be run out of here by the majority of the fan base and the people who cover the team. I've heard bad things about Fournette before from people. Okay? But now, all of a sudden now, he's the he's the poster child for improvement and, and maturity and all. And that's great. And that's great. Good. It's something to look forward to. People wanted to cut A.J. Bouye or A.J. Boye after the Kansas City game. Now they're looking at him to be 2.1. Good. People thought Yannick Ngakwe was dumb and selfish and getting bad advice in the offseason. Now they're singing his praises. Good. Things can change overnight. But ain't nothing wrong with loving on a team, man, without hating on Y'all can get mad all you want to. They're friends with Jalen Ramsey. I saw him yesterday. DD, everybody on social media. A.J. Boyer, after his first game, they all, they all congratulate him. All of them, all of them. So to to think that you, you, you're like earning favor with the current players by giving them credit while slamming the other guy who's their friend, it ain't working. Just, just, just associate Jacksonville with Jacksonville. Let's talk about this. Moving forward, they need a left tackle, I tell you that. Cam Robinson ain't it. I don't know if it's because of injury, but most of the time when I hear the experts talk about him, they talk about footwork. And now he's got turf toe because Geno Atkins almost pushed him from Cincinnati all the way to Louisville yesterday. He's got turf toe. They can run block, but they struggle in pass protection. If they come back with Nick Foles, and that's that, and people are looking at it that like it's a big problem. It's not. Trust me. That if you got two two guys that can play these days, look at the Chiefs. Chiefs have one guy who can play and another maybe. You look around the league and there's some teams that don't have one quarterback. How about a team in the division, Tennessee? Don't give away your advantage while you have it, especially when it doesn't cost you very much. And as long as neither one of those guys is a problem, then it won't be a problem for Jacksonville. So let's not make trouble where trouble isn't there i think it's a plus you gotta get this game this week though can't be three and five in the first eight you have to get to four and four i think it's imperative the jets are a sneaky team we're gonna be taking a look at them this week once they got sam Darnold back their entire team changed and this isn't a situation like uh the one yesterday the Jets actually have some people who can make plays and who will make you pay for mistakes, offensively and defensively. So this is a tougher game, but it's a home game, and I think it's a very, very winnable game uh, for Jacksonville. You can check the Jets out tonight, by the way. They'll be on primetime TV playing against New England tonight. That should be a thumping. And maybe it'll give you an idea of how the Jaguars are really going to defend uh, the Jets come next week. 
a few injury concerns for Jacksonville, like I said. Cam Robinson, a couple of linebackers that got banged up yesterday. They're going to have to get those guys back, especially those linebackers. And then they're going to have to start getting some production out of the tight end position to help the young quarterback when teams start stacking the box on Leonard Fournette. But however, good team win yesterday. Uh, it started off kind of sluggish. It looked lifeless. It was a pretty boring game. The crowd wasn't very loud because there wasn't really a big crowd in Cincinnati. But when you run the ball, stop the run, turn them over on defense, score defensively, you kick kicks everything and makes everything. Usually that's a formula for success, and Jacksonville was able to win yesterday in Cincinnati. Then we have some guests this week too, man, so tune in uh, the rest of the week to Locked on Jaguars as we enter week number eight. The Jaguars facing the Jets next Sunday at a home game at TIA Bankfield. I'm Tony Wiggins.